Welcome to The Brand is Female, I'm Ava Hartling. This week, my guest is Anne Martel, co-founder of Element AI, a Montreal-based AI startup that was deemed an almost overnight success as it was backed by some of the world's biggest AI companies and it raised hundreds of millions of dollars from the likes of Microsoft and Intel, among others. In the fall of 2020, it was announced that Element AI had been sold to an IT services company, making it Anne's second successful exit as an entrepreneur. I spoke with Anne about what it's like to be one of the elusive women in tech. Before we get to our conversation, I want to thank our sponsors. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women entrepreneurs achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. All right, then we're recording. So Anne, it's a pleasure meeting you and having you on The Brand is Female today. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to start by asking you what I always uh, ask my guests at the start of these conversations. When you were growing up, what did you dream you'd be doing later in life? I think I had many dreams. So it changed based on stage of life and what was the most impressive thing I had seen at the time. So it would always change. So at one point I wanted to be a doctor, but a very specific type of like doctor because one of my relatives had cancer and the doctor treating that person, you know, was had two specialties. So it, it, I've always been fascinated by many things, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So where, when did you figure out that you wanted to be uh, an entrepreneur um, and eventually um, an entrepreneur in the tech sector, which, as we know, is, is not that common for, for women? So I think uh, being an entrepreneur was always a part of my DNA. I would, you know, start businesses in the summer when I was a kid. I grew up in an environment where my dad had a company. So I was always, you know, exposed to that environment. I would work at his company from a very young age on. So that was really part of who I was. And the fact I think that I never knew who I wanted to be kind of defines me as an entrepreneur, if you know what I mean. Like, I think it's something that you're just searching for things and searching for yourself and searching for experiences. And I think that that's really what defines an entrepreneur. So it just emerged at some point. And then in the tech sector specifically, um, that was by accident, but I think nowadays everything is tech. So at some point I was gonna touch on technology. So that happened by accident. And speaking of tech and speaking of being a woman in tech, um, did you have any women role models or just women that maybe along your path inspired you or, you know, marked you uh, or maybe whose career or or journey you admire overall? So in tech specifically, I was always fascinated by Sheryl Sandberg and she's the most Mm -hmm. visible one. So of course, you know, love the Lean In movement. I I was really interesting in, in understanding more about, you know, her and her experience, uh, but I never really completely related because I don't come from that engineering background. So most women in tech are actually uh, defined by the fact that they've studied in uh, in engineering or mathematics or something very very applied like this. And uh, you know, I studied finance, I studied business, so that's not really who I could relate to. Um, mm-hmm. So I've always had role models more in the con- like this consumer side of things, but not so mm-hmm. much in technology in and of itself. Um, and and I I guess that was 
kind of something that always fascinated me is I always had this struggle to relate actually to that label of women in tech for those reasons. Like I couldn't mm -hmm. find a person that I really identified with as I was entering into this journey of starting a tech company. Mm. And what was your experience like? How were you received by either peers in the tech industry or just the business community overall? And obviously, um, you know, with, with your company uh, uh, fundraising early on in its in its existence, uh, you were exposed to the VC community and just the, the you know the investment community overall. So tell me about that experience being a woman walking in those boardrooms. I think it was uh, filled with doubt, actually. It was a very hard, but uh, very hard experience. I think from the, you know, from the investor community, they never said that to my face, but I know that they had, you know, several reasons why they would doubt, you know, and my, my background and not being from that environment was clearly mm. something that I think was frowned upon. But at the same time, there was still a level of openness to see what I was capable of. And, you know, as, you know, time progressed and I, I kind of made my proofs, then I guess that that kind of doubt disappeared. But certainly it was filled with doubt. Uh, but obviously from my co-founders, I had a ton of support and that helped me through it. And um, do you feel that it's changing, that the investment community overall is now getting used to the idea that there are more female founders and it's going to be a reality moving forward? Yeah. Do, is that the shift that's happening? Even in the last five years, uh, you know, you've seen a lot of funds starting to dedicate funds towards uh, to be used towards women, uh, women founders. And that's something that yeah. didn't exist, you know, a couple of years ago when when we started Element AI. And uh, and and that's uh, that certainly has like increased and changed over time. So I think that the openness is really there, but also uh, I think that people now see the benefit of having a woman either founder, co-founder, but just part of that founding team. So that's something that I think we'll see more and more. And those companies tend to have higher rates of success. So I think that mm -hmm. investors now are, you know, privy to that and they want to make sure that they have balanced teams. So they, mm -hmm. it's something that they look for now, which they didn't use to do a couple of years ago. And uh, Element AI is not your first business venture. You're what we call a serial entrepreneur. So tell me about starting in business. And it, I, I don't mind if you use the example of Element AI or a previous company. Um, when did it feel like, okay, that's the moment where I realized that this is going to be what I'm doing and I'm going to be successful at it? Was there kind of that shift in your in your career, your professional journey when you felt like you came into your own? That absolutely happened through Element AI. So to give you a, a sense, my uh, my previous business was actually my family's company that I took over. So it, I didn't really feel like that was my own project. It's something mm -hmm. that I experienced and I lived and I, I, I grew up in. And at some point I took it over, I, I started to re reorganize it. So I, I did kind of participate in a transformation uh, act where, you know, it, it, it used to be everything was on paper. We digitalized everything. So uh, I, I certainly participated in transforming that business. But since I didn't start it from scratch, it really never felt like it was my own. Mm -hmm. And uh, through Element, that's when I had that that moment when we went through the series a um, process specifically 
um, and we closed our, our large round at the time. It was a, a huge round in Canada, but even globally in AI, it was one of the largest rounds in, in AI at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that's when I knew that this is what I was meant to do. I had that. I had the intuition, but that was certainly the confirmation that I belonged in that environment and that I could actually do it. That that's great to hear. Um, and as a woman leader, and and I think at LMNA you have a, a good balance of you know male and female leadership coming together. But uh, speaking of your role specifically, what kind of qualities do you think a woman brings to her role, at, whether she's you know founder, CEO, or, or kind of C level executive in a company, as compared to uh, uh, male leaders? So it's funny because I was reading uh, something recently around the fact that women say that they're able to multitask, but actually no one is really able to multitask. Uh, (laughs) But I think that we certainly can juggle different things at the same time, uh, I think a bit better than men. I think think that's a level of brain structure, but I think that our whole life is also centered around managing, you know, the house, the kids, you know, work Mm -hmm. and just juggling these priorities. Um, so I think that we're just trained to do that uh, from from early on. And certainly that's something that I think I brought and I think w- women bring in general to an organization where they bring that sense of having to be efficient because we have so many things going on that we need to be able to prioritize. Whereas I think um, men don't necessarily have those same constraints. Uh, hopefully one day we'll be very balanced on that front, but I, I don't think this is still the case. So so. I think that's something that women leader tend to a uh, woman leader tends to bring is mm-hmm. just being able to focus on what's really essential because we need to get the conversation going because at some point we need to be out of out of there to be able to go pick up the kids at school you know so that's mm-hmm. something that uh, intuitively I think uh, women bring um for me specifically that allowed me also to understand um a very wide range of uh, of activities in the business. And that's also something that I think I personally have a natural ability to do and that I brought to the company. So being able to make connections and things that would happen in the research lab uh, and connecting that to what might be interesting in an investor prospectus, for instance. So making those connections, I think, is something that I, I brought to the to the company. Right. And speaking of women leaders, um, and before we got on, on the interview, we were we were chatting and I brought up a piece that was published in Fortune magazine recently where um, it was the journalist spoke about how uh, women founders, especially in startup culture, whether it's tech or consumer products, tend to be judged a lot more harshly than their male counterparts. And the second that something goes wrong, um, you know, women get uh, get attacked, get criticized, and this is this is shown through media coverage, the investment industry, and also there's less tolerance from a board or um, you know a team of advisors to keep the the the, the woman founder uh, in in the job when uh, when things are getting tougher. Um, and we've seen recent exam- examples in the U.S. around uh, you know companies that were known as unicorns, such as Away or um, mm-hmm even uh, The Wing um, and a a few other examples. And there's recently been a lot of talk about a a transaction that is brewing for Element AI. So without getting into those specifics, Mm -hmm. what do you think is um, just, you know, society's perception of female founders? And do you think that uh, there is an issue 
um, such as what's described in that piece in Fortune around just media, the investment community being very quick to condemn a, a woman founder. And has that been your experience as well? So I think it's true. I think everything that is new is always scary. So and and if you look specifically at the investment community, their their role is to de-risk their investment, right? So they're mm -hmm. taking already a, a ton of risk and the the whatever is the new variable in that equation is certainly something that they're going to pick up on. And there's not that many women founders. And so that's an additional layer of risk, I think, to them. I think over time, this will, of course, like subside, but I think that this is true. Um, same for society. We just have we just have that natural inclination to to I think stick on whatever is the the new thing or the thing that has changed, and that right. has to be the cause for all of the world's problems, right? So I think that's something that is a reality, and um, not necessarily something I've personally experienced. I think that you know I mentioned earlier we had uh, there was some doubts, you know, when we launched the company about uh, myself, uh, perhaps being a woman, but also not having experience in tech. And I think that that's warranted. And then, you know, you prove yourself and, and that risk kind of lowers over time. So uh, I don't know to which extent uh, this is the, the I don't know to which extent this is the only thing that is true. I, but I, I, I do know that that's the only new thing that is happening in companies is having more women, uh, you know, CEOs, founders. So mm -hmm. certainly, certainly there is something there. I think there's a phenomenon, too. And, and I read a, another article earlier in the year about women founders who tend to be uh, there, there's been a trend of. Of, of women founders being very open and very publicly vulnerable about their entire journey, right? And and I think there's a great there's you know two sides to the coin. There's a great um, we're we're seeing something very interesting because it's a good thing to be open and vulnerable and to talk openly about you know the reality of what we do in business and what we experience, especially mm -hmm. as women. But the risk is also that um, that it's very easy for the other side to point a finger to second something goes wrong, especially when somebody has been so outspoken and, and visible around their, you know, kind of their their achievements and their failures or whatever it was. Um, how do you navigate that as a woman in tech? And I'm sure as, you know, one of the few Canadian women leaders in tech with a, with a company that's been getting so much exposure, how have you been navigating that reality? I've struggled quite a bit with that, to be honest. I so uh, I, I think of experiences right now of of board meetings that we've had where you know I always try to prove myself by being uh, you know calm and and exposing issues and solutions, um, and and at some point I decided it wasn't really authentic of me to just be that way. So I started being a bit more open about you know my my feelings and my intuitions as well as part of those. Mm -hmm. meetings. So uh, we talked, for instance, I was responsible for for hiring and human resources. And so we talk about, you know, engagement levels in the company and what went wrong. And, and at some point I verged it to what I felt we had done wrong and where we'd failed the company and where we needed to have, you know, an action plan. But I went, I guess, to a level of details where some of my investors gave me the the feedback that I shouldn't have taken all that responsibility because it reflected poorly on me to say mm -hmm. we failed there. And it's just something I never accepted. 
and I continued doing it. I felt it was authentic of me to talk about what I'd learned and, and where I felt like I could have done better. And I just decided to embrace it. And I figured at some point, if someone wants to fire me for that, well, they can do that and then good luck replacing me. But I, mm -hmm. I, I just need to be myself. And, and that's something that, yeah, I struggled with for a while and at some point decided I'm just going to embrace it and see what happens. And, and then I, I'm still there. So I think it wasn't too much of an issue to be myself after all. So far, it's working well. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, based on that as well, because it's very interesting because you brought up, you know, kind of being true to yourself and listening to your intuition. And we spoke earlier of, um, you know, traits that women leaders typically bring to the table. And I think intuition is often one of them because women are, you know, tend to have a little bit more uh emotional intelligence uh that then you know the the average man does and uh when we're when we're connected with with ourselves we we can you know harness the power of our intuition even in a business context do you find that, that how much how much room do you allow for intuition in terms of your decision making process for example um so i, I I don't know. I don't know if it's half and half, but I do leave a lot of room for it. Of course, mm -hmm. I want to make sure I'm not biased. So I try to support everything that I do with with facts. And, you know, I'm in a very I'm in a data environment. So, of course, I try to use as much data as I can. But yeah. um, I use intuitions to to test out strategies, hypotheses I have and find root causes of things. So that's where I'll, I'll use predominantly my intuition. It's very rare that I'll act on my intuition as in making a, a decision that can have mm -hmm. a huge impact in the company. But I use that as um, areas to investigate always. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice, plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD's services for women in business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners that can provide education, financing, mentoring, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship. They also engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. Um, tell me about your approach to supporting other women and mentoring women from the younger generation, especially as we know that in tech, we are, you know, there is a, a, an objective of getting more young women to consider careers in technology. So, I mean, uh, I think that uh, what's fascinating about younger generation, not that I feel particularly old, but yeah, still <laughs> younger generations, is that I think that they, they are very self-confident and they grew up a lot more than we did in an environment where they were told that they could do anything. So I think that the the mentoring of younger people is no longer around building their confidence because they have that already. So it's mm -hmm. more about coaching them to harness their skills and uh, really focusing on that to develop further. And that's that's something that is uh, that is different and that I find really interesting. So for me, it's no longer around it's no longer around gender. I like to think that I can mentor anyone at this point. I think that, uh, and, and that's really my preference, but I think that naturally um, women need to uh, be, be better uh, attuned to what they're good at and leverage that to be able to, to grow. 
and that's what I try to focus on when, you know, in, in, when I mentor people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And um, tell me about, you know, the past nine months or 10 months now, uh, we have been living through the reality of the COVID pandemic. Uh, there's been a, a movement around racial justice. Um, I think we've all been impacted by, you know, recent events. Uh, what has that brought into your life, good or bad or both uh, this year? Yeah, it's been a very interesting, uh, very interesting nine to 10 months. So as, as a disclaimer, uh, I, I just had a baby a few weeks ago. So uh, that's, Congratulations. Been, that's amazing. Been, it's been a very life changing nine to 10 months in many respects. So for sure, everything that's been going on with the world and also living that reality also of, of um, yeah, being pregnant and becoming a, a new mom mm -hmm. at the same time has been uh, quite interesting. Um, I think, you know, COVID, uh, COVID has really brought up a ton of anxiety. Uh, we see them emerge socially. And as you said, like, uh, there's, you know, equality movements out there, you know, that have been far more vocal. I think our desire to connect and to feel heard uh, is even stronger during these mm -hmm. times where we have to stay home and we can't really get out or do very much. So I think living with that anxiety has certainly been a, a huge challenge and, and but also an opportunity to harness, to try and understand more about ourselves, about society and about things that, you know, we might need to change. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been, I tried to turn everything positive. I think that that's part of my entrepreneurial traits. I tried to make good with every bad situation out there. And yeah, really understanding what, what that anxiety is bringing on society, but try to remedy to it is really something I'm interested in. Mm. And in light of that, um, what is one thing that you hope for, uh, for the world, for society in 2021, something that you would like to see happen or something that you'd like to see change? Um, it's, it's a bit cliche, but I think gratitude. I think that's been that's been what I've been trying to work on in the past couple of months is just being able to take a step back and not focus so much on the bad. And it's so tempting when we have nothing else to do because we're not as entertained as we used to be. Um, to just hook on, like anchor on the one thing that's happening in the world, you know, good or bad and, and just amplify it way too much. So just being uh, a bit more reserved and a bit more grateful for things that are going well and also grateful for opportunities to fix things that aren't is something that I think more people should should be thinking about and try to apply. So it's uh, it's really something that is hard because I think it, it implies it involves also also um, just uh, uh, absorbing and reflecting more. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's it's necessary. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a that's a, a great point and a, a great suggestion for the world. Um, and you're you're a new mom, and something I always like to ask uh, women entrepreneurs is, um, I don't like speaking of work life balance because I don't I don't think it's it's you know I think that's a concept that's being imposed on women. Um, but I will talk about staying grounded and especially when you find yourself and you're, you know, you're running a, a huge company, um, you're now a, a new mom, you have a personal life. What keeps you grounded when everything gets chaotic and, and, you know, utterly busy around you? What's something that can bring you back to center and allow you to keep going, basically? 
I used to force these moments. I, I would, I, it's very, it's very cheesy, but I'll say probably now my son is really helping being that anchor, you know, like if I, if I have a rough day at the office, then, you know, I'm, I'm home and I hold my baby. And of course, like the world changes for a moment. Um, I never thought I would say that, but what mm -hmm. I can now. And, uh, but, uh, but I used to force these moments to just take a step back and be able to regroup. I, I would do that. Like it would be planned. So it'd be in my diary every, every couple of days I would have just time to think and reflect. And that's still something that I apply. Now I use it, you know, to spend time with the family, but, uh, mm -hmm. but I, it's still my, it's still my way to be able to, to recenter. And I'm going to ask you my favorite question to ask guests on the show. And it's, what do you wish women would do more of? So that's interesting. I, I had a conversation uh, with some friends about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. And um, it's funny how things, we don't necessarily see it because, of course, you know, we're, we're part of society. But things, things have changed, I think, in, in the last couple of years. So I think a few years ago, I would have answered um, you know, being more encouraging of each other, lifting each other up. But I feel like now, you know, this this is happening. I think that women are giving other women voices and we're all working together. There's no longer that sense of competition. So for me, I think what's still a challenge for for women, and I think one thing that I'd like to see them do more often is just um, just taking plunges, you know, just being just having more confidence to walk into the unknown is something I'd like to see. I think that, uh, and I don't like to make these kind of statements, you know, gendered statements. I, they're a bit uncomfortable for me, but I, I do feel that um, we have a natural inclination uh, to carry more burden, like life burden uh, on our shoulders. And so any change is something that is more scary and drives a bit more anxiety, I think, for us than, than it would for men. So uh, we're capable of doing everything. So accepting change, embracing it, taking plunges and following our intuition more, I think is something that we need to be able to to do and, and, and just embrace because we're capable of doing so much. Mm -hmm. uh, we shouldn't second guess ourselves as much. Mm, yeah, I love that. And I asked you before one thing you were wishing for the world in the new year, but uh, I want to ask you what's something that you want to be doing more of in 2021 or maybe something that you're working on for the new year. So uh, as you mentioned, we, we sold our company. So uh, in 2021, for the first time in a number of years, I'm going to be taking some time off. So after we finish with the transition of the business, um, you know, I'll, I'll be moving on to my next project. So I'll be spending some time just reflecting and thinking of what that's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, so spending time not working is what I'm going to be doing more of <laughs> in 2021. It's probably the scariest thing for me, but uh, I'm excited to try. I'm excited to live it. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm excited for you and you you'll get to have time with your with your new son, so your new yeah. baby, so that that's super exciting. Um, well, wishing you the best for the new year and with everything that's ahead of you. Can't wait to see what you get up to next. Um, thank and thank you. you so much for speaking with me today. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thank you so much to Anne for speaking with me for this episode. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that's possible. 
Thank you to TD Bank Group, women entrepreneurs, further support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed, let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a week with a new guest. Yeah.